Welcome back to Tolkien with Friends. And today we are talking about the absolute chaos that is Barrels Out of Bond. Uh, we are so excited to welcome our friend Carrie, who you may know as a Star Wars Tia, to the podcast today. And, you know, while we have all been longtime fans of Carrie, we didn't officially meet until the NYC premiere of Rings of Power last August. And, you know, I think once you take a photo uh, with Ismail Cruz Cordova together, then you're friends forever, That's right? It. It's done. <laughs> Icons, everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> like literally, we we just like pushed ourselves towards Ismail. Like, no, we're going to take a picture. That's it. We're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I know because they were because there was a reception before the show of the first two episodes, and they were like, "Don't, yeah, don't." Don't fan be out. Too crazy. Don't be creepy yeah. like that. Don't, don't go <laughs> fan crazy. <laughs> but then we were like, okay, well, we just saw him like give a performance of a lifetime. So what am I? What am I supposed to do? Right? You know. Absolutely. <laughs> very gracious. Very lovely. Yeah, he was really, really nice. So mm -hmm. that was awesome. Yeah. So Carrie, tell us a little bit more about you. You know, where can people find you um, if they aren't following you already? Okay, so yeah, guys, I'm Akari, aka Star Wars Tia. You can find me at Star Wars Tia on TikTok and Twitter, and on Instagram as Kari Skywalker. Um, I do, you know, I'm majorly like a Star Wars content creator, but I do everything else. I talk about everything, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, any type of nerdy content and and pop culture and stuff. So, and um, I'm excited to be here because I don't really get to talk about. Uh, you know, Lord of the Ring token stuff a lot. I mean, I'm I'm on my journey learning mm -hmm. from everybody, from you guys, from everyone else, you know, because I'm just I just became a fan once the movies came out. So before mm -hmm. that I didn't know anything about the books or anything else. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Um I think that it's it's so great to showcase all the different uh types of fan and fans on various points, right? Because, I mean, I, you know, we have friends that have loved it since, you know, the 70s, 80s. And I was like, well, I wasn't there. So, <laughs> you know, all, exactly. the way to, all the way to people that, you know, there's some people on Twitter that I know that have, like, huge followings, but they just started, they just, just discovered Tolkien, like, mm -hmm. a year or two ago. So um, all perfectly valid you know, all great additions to the fandom. So super, super excited to have you here. Um, but before we get into it, uh, so can you tell us more about your personal history with Tolkien and more specifically The Hobbit? You know, how did you come to the movies? How did you come to the book? And just, you know, how did they inform your experience with Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth? So basically, um, I fell in love with the Lord of the Rings movies. So I, once they announced that the Hobbit uh, movies were going to come out, I was like super excited. Um, I love that we were going to get lore going back because since I hadn't read the books, and that means I was going to be able to learn more about, you know, everything, all the rest of the stories and everything. And, um, you know, just being able to get more of a, uh, uh, of a, of knowledge from, you know, how it, Bilbo came to get the ring at all, you know, or, or, uh, you know, more things about the elves and, and the dwarves and everything. It, it was really exciting for me. Again, I haven't read the books or anything, but again, learning through you guys and everything. Um, even though the Hobbit wasn't my favorite afterwards, <laughs> uh, but I did enjoy, you know, I did enjoy it. Cause I, I, regardless, I love fantasy. I love, 
the history there, the, the you know, being able to imagine all the things that are going on, escape to that reality. I, I, it, it's always uh, amazing to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome, you know, and I think that like we've all had various experiences with the Hobbit movies. Um, and there are there are a lot of enjoyable things about them. You know, and if Chris were here, he would tell me 100% of it is enjoyable. Um, I'm, I'm still struggling a little bit. So, I mean, we'll yeah, see yeah. a little bit. And honestly, you know, this part of the movie uh, isn't too bad, but then it, I think it just, it, there's just parts of it where I think it just, it wants to do too much and it just, it's like it can't sit with itself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I was watching um, Return of the King last night in a movie theater and I was just thinking about all these little moments that don't necessarily like move the plot forward, but they're just mm-hmm. like character moments. They're just kind of like soft beats. And um, like, for example, when you have the scene where there, you know, Frodo is explaining to Sam that Ithilien or that land right outside of Mordor is used to be a part of Gondor, and they see that old statue, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the the head of it is on the ground, but there's like flowers growing on it, and Sam, like a little ray of sunshine, just like in the books, falls on it, and Sam says, "Hey, Mister Frodo, like the king has got a crown again," and. <sighs> totally unnecessary right for for the purposes of what they're love that yeah right and it's just these little moments that just kind of not only like expand the world but just kind of give us like more moments between the characters you know it's not like big it's not splashy it's just these little moments along the Mm -hmm. journey you know, and yeah, I think it gives it depth. Depth, Absolutely. yeah, and yeah, yes. and there's also things that they yeah. do that really give it scale. Like I was thinking about how they changed the um, the lighting of the beacons in the movies. So in the in the books, mm-hmm. when Mary or Mary Mary has stayed in Rohan. What am I saying? Pippin <laughs> and Gandalf are. Uh, traveling into Gondor, they see the lighting of the beacons, and Pippin's like freaked out at first. He's like, "Why is that mountain on fire?" And Gandalf explains what it is, and we just, you know, we, we kind of move, move past it. In this, like, I love that they have Pippin be the one that lights the first one, and then it sets off that chain of events. And did Peter have to show us this long sequence of every single beacon being lit? Absolutely not, but he does but because just he. A- just a scene to see like it's just powerful and he's and it gives us a sense of scale of how far away you know edoras and minas tirith are Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's not but not completely necessary right if he had just shown one beacon one beacon and then we're done he totally could have but he didn't you know so it's just like little things like that that i think we didn't quite get in the hobbit um which I think is one of the reasons that I struggle with it. Besides, okay. like, less Bilbo. I wanted more Bilbo, honestly. But that's all right. This, that was just a thought that I had that I wanted to get out while it was still in my brain. But still, <laughs> mm-hmm. Hobbit movies, I mean, lovely cast. 
great visuals, you know, there's a lot of fun things to look forward to. Yeah. So, with all that being said, the last time we saw Thorin and company in the movie, they were locked up in Thranduil's cavernous home uh, with Bilbo on the loose. So he's got his ring. He's sneaking around. He followed them in. He is not captured. Um, in the book, it isn't until the beginning of this chapter, Barrel's out of bond, that the full company gets captured by the elves. And uh, we know that Thorin has previously been captured because when he was in the forest. Um, and then the elves kind of descend upon the rest of the company and take them in. The hot dwarves are low-key relieved because uh, they are starving and lost. So they're like, you know what? Yeah. This is better. Take us, take, take us to your leader yes. and just let us yeah. <laughs> get us out of here. I'm too tired. <laughs> I'm too tired to fight about it. So yeah. um, slight difference. I totally get why they didn't do it like that. You know, that's like, they're just, they're doing a lot with these movies. So I understand like pacing wise, it makes sense mm-hmm. to just keep them all together. Um. You know, the biggest difference, I think, in this first section is the addition of Tariel. So we've already met her. We've already discussed um, some cringe moments between her and Keeley, like oh, God, making yes. references to like a weapon in his pants. And she's like, no. Um, <laughs> Was this in the book? No. So, no, so no, no. I'm like, wait, I know Tolkien does not write like that. Even I know. <laughs> so in the book, they're in like this is a hundred percent male cast. You know what I mean? Like all the dwarves, Bilbo, even the dragon. You know, we're, it's yeah. all dudes. Um, so the movie has in, has added Tariel. We met her when they were fighting the spiders, um, and mm-hmm. now you know we're in her hometown i guess and she is still hanging out we saw her lock up the the dwarves um but in this section we see her talking with thranduil um she does get to talk a little bit more with keely uh and you know she we're getting to know her a little bit more um Mm -hmm. and we see her talking to thranduil um about the spider problem that they are having in Mirkwood. And, you know, they kind of set up a real distinction between Thranduil and Tariel because she is concerned about the problem as a whole, like not just the fact that it's in the woodland realm, but mm-hmm. that it may spread to other lands. And Thranduil's like, I really don't care. <laughs> it's not my problem. It's not my problem. <laughs> it's not my problem. <laughs> and she's like, okay weird um he, he also tells her basically you can't date legolas um in this part of the movie and so you know i was thinking about this and besides like a couple of moments so far i think she is an, a nice addition it's nice to show not just like a bunch of dudes of course thranduil's kingdom would have some women elves mm-hmm. uh participating in these escapades um you know we've already established that she's a strong fighter you know that she's not only concerned about the welfare of her people but you know the world at large you know with the whole spider situation um and she even gives us a book reference when she's telling keely about uh the feast they're having um she kind of goes in and 
I don't know. She's like kind of in charge of the dwarves imprisonment, but not totally. Like there's other guards that watch them, but she checks on them, I guess. Um, and she also later does get upset that they have escaped um, in a little bit. But, you know, she goes in to like, I guess, have a little peek and Keely is playing with this rune stone and they kind of talk about um, what it means to him. And they also talk about um, he, he hears there's like a party going on and he asks her about it. And she explains that um, it's a feast, for, you know, for the stars and or like to celebrate light and things and um she adds that wood elves love best the light of the stars and this is almost a direct quote from the previous chapter flies and spiders when tolkien tells us more about the woodland king and his people so i really thought that was nice use of mm-hmm. you know there's a ton of information that tolkien gave us in that previous chapter about the wood elves and what they're like and so i'm glad that tariel kind of gets to represent that Um, the problem with Tariel, in my opinion, is, uh, that they, they have to, they keep trying to tie her romantically to other characters. And I'm like, you know, first it's flirting with Keely and, you know, if memory serves, I know that that continues, like they become a whole thing. Uh, but also like the whole thing with Randowell telling her that, Legolas has a crush on her, but he would never allow the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, I, so I'm just kind of like, why do that? You know, like she can't just exist as a captain of the guard or, you know, just like we've talked about, like she could serve as like this moral compass amongst the elves. You know, she's the only one so far that we've really seen that's concerned with bigger issues besides what's going on in Mirkwood. Um, and, you know, because they're, they've kind of portrayed a lot of these elves kind of as jerks. Um, but Tariel <laughs> kind of provides this contrast to them. Uh, and so it's like, why do we have to have everyone in love with her? You know what I mean? Like, just as far as like, the larger narrative like is it because she's the only woman we've seen on the planet so far like i mean galadriel is here we have seen galadriel what do you know like i don't get it i just i don't like the implication um that she that her purpose in the story has to be falling in love with somebody and uh, i think she they they sowed some seeds there that i feel like they should have followed uh, those uh, to use her in more mm-hmm. impactful and meaningful ways. But I wanted to hear what you all thought about Tariel at this point. So I think that, um, I think I might, I might agree with you on that. I think that, you know, obviously we all love a good romantic story or a good romance and everything, but it felt kind of, it might be that it was kind of forced because the, the, what was the purpose of them, like her, especially her with Keely? Like, you know, for, I guess I get it that you know, that's that they they they're spending time together and and things when people spend time together, you know, things tend to happen. But in the sense of the story, I don't think it was necessary. Yeah. Uh, like you said, she's out here doing, you know, she's out here worried about everything else that's going on. We, they're going on this adventure, on this journey, on this on this fight, you know. And I think they could have just left that at that, 
and it would have still, the story would have been great. You know, there was mm-hmm. no reason to add unnecessary things um, into it, especially if you're saying that it didn't happen in the books either like that. Like there was no reason for that to happen in the movies as well. Just to like, I don't know, please, I don't know who they were trying to, you know, appease with this. That's so. it. Like, who were you trying to please? With yeah, this? exactly. So. We're all wondering <laughs> because it's like, it's almost like there's so many things that they're trying to do to like exactly parallel Lord of the Rings. And they were like, well, Arwen was there. Like, and they also kind of re like adjusted Eowyn to kind of be extra in love with Aragorn in the movies um, where it was like a little more toned down and you know like of course we have the whole Arwen Aragorn thing but it's just like that's not not every people just you know don't have to be in love all the time like I don't know like and even if there was like some flirting sure but I know that they kind of like amp it up later on in the story I don't know I just think that like she was a really it was a really interesting choice to to add her in and i and i think that they just made it a really superficial uh character choices here where she mm-hmm. could have been a little bit more um meaningful to, like, like why couldn't she character. just be part of the group and they were just trying to help it didn't have to be like somebody had to fall in love because she's the woman in the group you know, and mm-hmm. it just, it had to happen. It didn't. It, it it really did not have to go that way. Yeah. 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 So that's my feeling. You know, I think that, um, you know, we're going to see more of her later. Um, but she does, you know, participate in the rest of this. So I'm sure we'll talk about her more. But I think that, um, you know, after this moment... We have Bilbo realizing that he can help save the rest of the company because he they they really focus they do some really focused shots on the guard um, and his u- use of the keys um, mm-hmm. and a little bit different but along the same lines with the book you know they have them drinking the wine um, and getting a little sloshed and so they and they put the keys up um it's not bilbo actually taking the keys from him like i think it's more like attached to him like you know how you would mm-hmm. on your belt but mm-hmm. they like put them up because obviously the door, no like no but who's gonna take them i under i yeah. get it like yeah, they put yeah. them up and so bilbo takes them to rescue the the dwarves and you know the movie kind of speeds past this part I would say that was kind of my vibe, you know, um, they don't really focus on the strategic choices that he makes. And, um, you know, so I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about what goes on in the book here. Um, I also thought it was funny that Bofer implies that they've only been in Thranduil cells for one night because they're complaining about how they're going to be in the cells forever. And he says, it must be nearly dawn. And I'm like, if there's only been one dawn, you haven't actually been there that long. But Mm -hmm. in the book, it's more like two weeks that they spend Mm -hmm. as captives. Um, And so during this time, 
Bilbo is able to learn like all the ins and outs of this place, uh, mostly, and survives off stolen snacks, which I think is adorable. Um, <laughs> would have loved to see him grab a snack, <laughs> um, you know. And he's even able to leave a couple of times. Like he figures out how to be like. So there are a few like hunting parties will leave mm-hmm. to the caverns to go do whatever they do, and he would get right up behind him but he's like really afraid of like getting smashed in the door or in the gate or like being the magic door yes yeah. <laughs> those magic doors will shut as soon as that last elf is There's on the elf. other side okay. so he has to like be right up there but he doesn't want them to accidentally see his shadow or something because while wearing the ring you still cast a shadow in certain oh, sunlight wow. okay. um so he's like freaked out. I think he leaves a couple of times, but then he's kind of like, I can't keep up with these elves. I'm not going to like go hunting with them. And I don't know how to find, he's like, I'm worried that I will get lost. So he kind of just gives up on that, like trying to find like an alternative exit from the outside. But what he does end up doing in his wandering is finding out about the wine cellar Um and there is a part where when he is kind of feeling um, sad about his situation, he has a realization that if anything was to be done, it would have to be done by himself. Um, and I think that's or I think it's just a really nice moment where it's like Bilbo realizing that he can't really rely on anyone. Like he's wishing Gandalf was there, Mm -hmm. you know, that any of the dwarves were really available. And he realizes that it's really all down to me. Like I can't call Mm -hmm. anybody, you know, it's uh, either we're going to be stuck here forever until, well, if Thorin decides to give Thranduil any information, they could get out potentially. But, Thorin has very much decided that Bilbo is still, like, he knows that Bilbo was there with them, and he's like, nobody say shit. Nobody say anything about what we're doing or why we're in the forest to begin with. Bilbo has got this, and Bilbo is like, well, I guess (laughs) I've got this. (laughs) (laughs) But it didn't show that in all of that. Yeah, like you said, they didn't show. I would have loved to see that, you know, mm-hmm. him having that struggle of, you know, like, am I going to be able to do this? I guess everything is on me right now. That's a lot of weight on my shoulders. And oh, my God, like, you know, it, it would have been nice to see that. Like you said, they missed those moments and those marks with those little details then because mm-hmm. that would have been cool to see. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about The Hobbit is really not like, like I think in The Hobbit movies, they they really try to move us from like action sequence to action sequence, um, which yeah, we, yeah. There, there is some of that in here in this section as well. Um, and so they kind of skip over all these really character building moments for Bilbo, but really like Bilbo is the shining light of this story. You know what I mean? Like he's the most relatable one. He's um, he is supposed to be our main character, but in the movies, it's it feels more like Thorin in a lot of ways, um, or at least yeah, just with that. Or, yeah. or at least just the dwarves in general. Um, so we we miss out on some of my favorite things about the Hobbit book, and so I think that also is why it, I kind of struggle with the the movies but i get it not every adaptation is going to be what you imagined in your head they made some choices choices were made um and 
you know, that's cool. But I, I do want people to know that, you know, Bilbo has the, the, he has a lot of these really cool character building moments. And I love that. Um, so he does go on to discover the water gate, which, you know, we see in the movie is under the wine cellar. And it does talk mm-hmm. about, and you know what I was thinking about? Because in The Return of the King that I was watching last night, um, it's just funny that it's juxtaposed like this with this episode <laughs> because the point where um, Gimli and Legolas have that drinking contest and Gimli is the one that passes out. But uh, <laughs> the only canonical record of people getting drunk and falling asleep are elves. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to throw that out there because, (laughs) you know, they are beasting and Tolkien specifically talks about how this, like, it's not easy to get an elf drunk, but this particular wine that is the king's favorite is very strong. Uh And um, the guard and um, the captain, I, I can't remember what the two roles are that sit there and they say like, oh, let's, you know, we're not joining in the, we're supposed to be doing some task, but we're waiting for other people to help us get rid of all these barrels. So we're going to drink mm-hmm. this wine and they both fall asleep. So I just want to put that out there that, haha, it's funny to see Gimli talk about getting drunk and talking about going swimming with little hairy women. But, <laughs> but it is elves who are the ones that know how to party. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that on the record. (laughs) (laughs) So when he, when this happens in the book, Bilbo realizes like, oh shit, like he was already thinking about this Watergate and how that might be a potential escape route. But he was like, wow, this is probably going to be the only time where most people are out or busy partying. These guys are literally asleep at the wheel. I got to move. And so he goes Guess the dwarves. And um, what I also think is really cute about the book is that the the other dwarves don't know that Thorin has been captured. And they definitely don't know that he is in the same place as them. And Bilbo's the one that finds that out and, like, uh, tells them all. And also mm-hmm. the fact that Thorin is um, imprisoned separately from... Like, everyone is kind of imprisoned in various locations. So Bilbo mm-hmm. has to go round them all up on the way to the cellars. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then when they realize what... I think that they they nod to this in the movie. Um, when he finally gets them to the cellar and he tells them to get in the barrels and they're like, that's nuts. You know, when he tells them that <laughs> um, in the book, they're very much like, uh-uh, nope. And, but We're not what doing this? <laughs> but his response to them is like, okay, get back in your cells. I will lock it up. And then you can figure out the next time that we can escape. Okay. And that's where they're like, okay. I guess we're <laughs> <going around. laughs> it's like, if we have to find. <laughs> yeah. They're like, cause they don't have any ideas. You know what I mean? It's Bilbo. That's the one that's coming up with the, the ideas and the plans. Cause they got nothing that, you know, he's the only yeah. one that knows the place anymore. Um, and so what he gets them into these empty barrels and slight difference. Uh, so in the movie, Bilbo is the one that like pulls this lever to tip them all into the water. And I get it. 
in movies, typically they don't like to cover actors' faces. Um, like, mm-hmm. that's why a lot of the time people will, like, end up finding a reason to take off their helmet and shows and stuff because it's like, we want those money makers yeah, on yeah, the yeah. screen. So he does not cover the barrels, um, but he does, in the book, he, like, makes sure to pack them really, he, like, Fill, tries to with, fill the ones. Okay. He covers them and tries to plug any holes and stuff so that they're not like horribly drowning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he, he does cry. In both versions, he does not get in his own barrel. And um, so what happens with this uh, in the movie, we know he kind of like triggers the levy, like the system to open again. And then he just jumps in the water uh in the book basically the um the elves are the ones that are pushing off all the barrels into the stream and they're basically like um dude to the you know the wine cellar guy they're like hey these are not empty and he's like we are behind schedule because you were late to come help me push him in. Those are the correct barrels. And they're like, okay, but if they had had more time, they totally would yeah. have been found out at this point. Yeah, yeah. And we have a couple of different moments like that where the elves are like, if only we had had more time to investigate these barrels. Um, <laughs> that's really the only reason they don't get caught. So they get swept in and he just, Bilbo has to grab onto the last one while wearing the ring so he's invisible and just falls into the water, gets super wet. Um, of course, in the movie, everybody's getting wet because nobody's got a lid on. Like, mm-hmm. it's just immediately chaos. Also, they're immediately chased by the elves in the movie. So they're, like, you know, trying to, like, go faster by kind of swimming a little bit, you know, trying to propel their barrels <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, but in, in addition, we also have, you know orcs kind of following um because of course we do they've figured out where the river comes out of the of thranduil's castle thing and it's not a castle i just his house doesn't have a name which i honestly like struggled with like elrond has rivendell you know mm-hmm. uh galadriel has lothlorien or catas galathon or whatever Thranduil's house doesn't have it a does? name. It does? Just like the woodlands? That's it? It's like they call it the woodland realm, but that's like... Like the whole thing? To- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of bummed out. And then, and if it is named somewhere, they didn't list it in the book, which, I don't know, which thought it was weird. thought it was weird. Um, yeah. So, because it's not like a house. I mean, it's kind of fortress-like with the way that it's built underground, you know. Um but anyway, they escape. Orcs and elves are chasing them, and they're just, like, in barrels. Um, and they actually have a gate in the movie, you know, that actually closes. More chaos ensues. Keely gets hit with an orc arrow. Um, and it's really, it's very reminiscent of what I think a Middle-Earth theme park would be like. Like, mm-hmm. it's very much like yeah. that would be, I'm like, the way it's, like, the rapids and them moving around i'm like i could see this as like a water ride 
You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. That is the first thing I thought. Yeah, and then no, my second thought was, is. wow, we have lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because that's like one of my most memorable things from the movie, from all three trilogies. I don't know why it is because it looks so much fun. It looks mm-hmm, like so yeah. much fun. I was like, oh my God, I love this. And then all the craziness going on of them shooting arrows and the elves trying to like jump over them and everything. That stuck in my head for some reason. I guess that that was the the reason they did it that way because yeah. it really does stick with you because it's like such a fun adventure. And I I remember thinking, dude, this would be such a good like, white water raft ride or something. I know. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if we had gotten a Middle Earth theme park post the Hobbit movies, I would have said it was worth it. But yeah. here we are with no theme park. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not sure that it paid off. You know, I mean, it yeah, was yeah. a lot. And I feel like at this point, Peter has like thrown so many moments like this at us. I'm like, all right, whatever, Peter. Like, you don't do what you're going to do. <laughs> but like, did anyone else find Legolas standing on the dwarves a little excessive? The, the, yes, it did. I'm like, why are you, need, why are you stepping on him? Like, like we get it that you did this. To show his disrespect. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get it. We know you're very acrobatic from, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, we, you, you could jump anywhere and everywhere. But there was no reason to step on these people. Like, there was no reason for him to do that. Yeah. I was just like, that's like why is Legolas <laughs> so mean Legolas was never this mean like from insulting Gimli's baby photo just oh standing God. on Dwalin's head that I, yeah I did like I was like Legolas was very sweet and kind in the other trilogy what happened like I guess maybe he grew up a little bit more you know by the time we got to Lord of the Rings or something but he was like very like fresh I thought I was like mm-hmm. okay yeah I was like all right Legolas Take a chill pill. Uh, one thing that I wanted to point out, if anyone has read um, anything you can imagine, Peter Jackson and the Making of Middle Earth by Ian Nathan, uh, this book references, uh, I mean, it talks about the making of Lord of the Rings specifically um, and a little bit of The Hobbit. And there is a point where it talks about things that didn't make the cut, like thing plans that Peter had had where production things happened and then they they couldn't do it. Peter had take this uh, however you want it, but Peter originally wanted to do a rapid scene on the Anduin when it's you know Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and our Hobbit friends are like leaving Lothlorien. He wanted to throw in some rapids there, but it didn't happen due to weather and like timing and stuff. And I'm like. Peter, are you telling me you've always been like this? And, <laughs> and you found you found a reason. So he to just really wanted his wild ride, water wild ride. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm reading. And I'm just and sometimes as much as we love the Lord of the Rings movies, it just makes me wonder if they were a happy accident. If Peter had gotten to do all the insane things that he had thought of, you know what I mean? Like, it's possible that they would have gotten cut anyway, but there were there are some stories in this book where I'm like, if that had happened, if they had included that, 
I mean, like, way to just throw off the whole flow of that moment in the movie. Like, sir. Yeah. Sir? <laughs> that would have been a very weird moment to to do something like that. Cause, yeah. yeah. But he obviously kept thinking about it because we got we got. Yeah, wrapped. no, he definitely wanted it. And he was like, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'm going to do this Hobbit trilogy. I'm going to put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> So a like, lot of okay, Peter, we get it. <laughs> yeah, I know he's just. He, I love him. He's a little nuts, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Um, so you know they go on, and I stopped this part of the uh, the movie when Bard kind of shows up when they kind of pull over. They they seem to have eluded the orcs. Um, and and Bard shows up. But before we see this little moment where they're realizing that Keeley is injured and they're kind of like trying to dry out, um, you know, in the in the book it's more like they're they keep being there's certain points on the river where like elves will push the group of barrels, you know, they make sure that they don't get stuck and they, they keep them moving, but there mm-hmm. is like a way that the, the river kind of juts out and they all kind of collect there and then they tie them all together. So Bilbo never mm-hmm. lets them out of the, the barrels until like they get closer to Lake town. So it's like, it's like a, a couple of days that they are in these barrels, which I just think is, which is horrible horrific. and it's cold it and they're wet in the book. In the books, they're like the that long yeah. inside the water. Oh my god. Yeah. So they wow. they at least have to stay a whole night and into the next day in these barrels. And Bilbo, he's not in a barrel, but he is sopping wet. And so he there is like a little village or camp or something near where the elves are corralling these um, barrels to be sent down the river the next morning and he goes off and he steals like a pie and some wine and a loaf of bread but he immediately he like has caught a cold from conditions and he's sneezing and so he's like wearing his ring and he's secret but then people are finding his little wet footprints and like his sneezes are giving him away so he wakes up the next day like he finally falls asleep but he's feeling sick um, and the the other the rest of the dwarves are just like they will tell him about how they feel. I'm sure in the next chapter, but in in this part of the movie, they it it kind of changes that obviously because they're not packed in there. It I do just want to know that that sounds terrible, and I don't I don't really know who had it better, like Bilbo or the dwarves <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> Awful poor thing. Oh my god, I, I can't imagine. Like, ow, like my body physically hurts just thinking about being like stuffed in Wet a barrel. for that long and just, um, and then, yeah, with like your body like being contorted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. And I like can't. you're being bumped around. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like it's just, just so you have to stay all crooked while getting hit every time that something happens to the barrel. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I hate it. Um, so. Oh my gosh feel bad for them There's times like these where i'm just like wow the book version is a lot worse but not cinematic yeah right like how do you convey <laughs> that like on screen mm. really i mean you'd have to get like a that camera, misery like, in and the... that pain and that like horribleness yeah and there was no way they were gonna like pack away these actors for 
a huge amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I get it. But in case you didn't know, that's how that goes down. And my back hurts oh my just thinking about it. Ah, yes. Oh, my God. I'm like, need to stretch right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, I feel it. I feel it. Um, there is also some fun additions to the movie that not in the appendices. Like, we've kind of left all of Tolkien, but I don't really care because I love Ian McKellen so much. Like, Gandalf in every scene, I'm just like, nom, 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 nom. I love it. <laughs> Give me um, more. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, uh, we get back to what the heck Gandalf has been up to. Uh, we do a little cut away from the chase scene for a minute. Um, and, you know, in both the book and the movies, he dips out um, as the dwarves enter Mirkwood. He's like, I got stuff to do. I gotta go. Um, in the movie, the implication is that he's going to double check that that grave that is supposed to contain the Witch King is, uh, in fact, holding the Witch King. Uh, and, you know, we, we've talked about this a couple of times, but, like, there is no body. You know what I mean? Like, the Witch King has mm -hmm. never, he doesn't die. He hasn't died. He was never, he had a rent, you know what I mean? He's a wraith. That's the whole thing. But, Whatever, Peter. Have your pretend dead witch king. Cool. Um, but I, I really did like this scene between uh, Gandalf and Radagast anyway. Like, just throwing, like, how logistically this doesn't make sense out the window. But I thought the scene was enjoyable nonetheless. Um, so I think Gandalf is supposed to be in Rudaur, which is... Um, basically the point, uh, it's um, a part of the the old kingdom of Arnor. Uh, it's basically the point on the opposite side of the Misty Mountains from where they currently are, uh, near where Arnor and Angmar meet. So it's like the most northern point of the Misty Mountains. Um, obviously, that's also a logistical nightmare. Like, they crossed them. How did he get back over there? I don't know. Maybe an eagle helped <laughs> him out. Uh, we'll, we'll give him that. And... Um, so he sees the tomb uh, that is obviously broken out of. Like it's all like there was clearly some kind of cage, and it's like mangled. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not doing its job anymore. Um, and Radagast just shows up uh, uh, because this is very important business, I guess. And Gandalf <laughs> needed him there. Uh, I do think it's kind of funny that they did not include him in any of the White Council scenes that we've seen so far. Um, you know where it's like. Saruman, Galadriel, Elrond, Radagast, not invited to that. He, Gandalf specifically reaches out to him about this. Um, so, you know, maybe it's like showing some distrust between Gandalf and Saruman mm -hmm. here for the movie anyway. Uh, you know, not only because Saruman did in the movie dismiss Gandalf's concerns about smog and you know the blade and all of that um but mm -hmm. also gandalf doesn't send the highest wizard in his order to an invite to this so i thought that was pretty interesting for at least for the movie purposes um but my favorite part is where radagast asks who was buried there he's because radagast doesn't even know what we're doing here you know mm -hmm. <laughs> 
I showed up because I'm a good friend, but could you fill me in? Um, and Gandalf responds, if he had a name, it's long since been lost. He would have only been known as a servant of evil, one of a number one of nine and i was like yes i was like that is a good writing like that's what i want you know what i mean like spooky gandalf that's my favorite gandalf uh so i i I really liked that um and you know of course this leads to a discussion of the necromancer who we've kind of referenced before um supposedly chilling in dolgodor in the southern part of mirkwood um and gandalf's conclusion and that this is not some magic man in the woods, uh, but Sauron. And I I think this may be the first, possibly only time that the movies confirm that Sauron is not human. So I I think we had this conversation way back when we were covering Lord of the Rings, um, where I don't know if it was one of our guests or somebody somebody that hadn't really read the books and um so i think that it's fair to talk about that about the confusion around what even is sauron you know is this mm-hmm. just some uh, is it an elf is it a dude is it something else you know um but it's yeah. not until this point that um you know well radagast b- makes a comment like oh like this couldn't be like like a human couldn't do to have the power to release someone like the witch king. Um, and Gandalf says, who said it was human? And I, I think that's the only mention that in the movies about what actually Sauron is. They don't like go into Sauron it. They don't like, they don't like say like, they don't explain what a Maya is or any of that, or, you know, what it means to be, Maya or Valar and, and all of that nitty gritty, but he does explicitly say Sauron isn't just a dude, you know? Um, and so mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because they have never done that before. And I don't know if they will yeah. do it again. That's Maybe really in the show or. Yeah. So like, in you know what like as far as the Peter Jackson movies and stuff are concerned, it's like we haven't ever really discussed. Like we don't even under like we know that Gandalf and Saruman are wizards, but it's never mm-hmm. like explicitly stated that that's not just a guy that learned to be a wizard. A staff. Or, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I thought that was interesting that, you know, Peter decided to include that here. Um, I mean, I like it. I'm down. But I just thought it was interesting that we, we've we never had that discussion before. So I wonder if there were, I mean, and it's such a small moment that it probably goes unnoticed a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there were any people that were just strictly movie fans that picked up on that and were like, oh, then... What is Sauron? Because we don't actually <laughs> have the conversation, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because obviously Radagast in the scene understands what Sauron is. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people assume, if they don't know, like he that he's probably an elf of some sort. Mm. So. I just assume he's like some crazy, really like super old bean. I, I, I didn't even figure like an elf is just a creation 
from before mm. time, you know, because mm. he's so old. But I, I, I never really thought about what really he, what is he really, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you were watching the movies, Carrie, like, you got the impression that he was something other, but yeah. not like, yeah, yeah, no, not like a humanoid, like an elf or or dwarf mm-hmm. or anything like that. It was just like a an entity, but I never, you know, it was never really in, like specified or I never really got clarification of what exactly um, he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, I don't, I don't know if we've ever really talked about it. I'm sure that maybe we have, like maybe in one of my early episodes when I was like trying to brain dump to Anna, which I still apologize for those first two episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, I was just, I mean, there was no structure. I was just like, here's everything that's different. Oh, and then I got to tell you about this. Oh, and then I got to tell you about that. And I was like, wow, that was, that was a lot. I probably need a, a real attitude. <laughs> you got a lot of episodes to go. I we got to pace ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, maybe back then we've talked about, like, the different, how there are these, I mean, there's really no other way to refer to the Valar other than like gods, you know, more of like mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the Greek tradition, you know, yeah. like with, like with mythology. Yeah. But then we have these like, yeah, the, the Maiar who are like a, they are also like eternal in that they were existed before the world, but they are not, um, you know, they, they kind of choose a Valar to learn from. You know what I mean? Like, they're not the okay. the guys. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Gandalf and Saruman are a part of that number. The Balrogs are also part of that number, um, as well as, as Sauron. Um, so they do not die in the way that, like, men do. Or even elves. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, so, and all the, also the elves have a whole other thing but they don't die so like all these times like eventually i think in the rings of power we will see sauron lose his body but he's Mm -hmm. not dead yeah and that's and that's the same thing with gandalf like he dies he's not he really just loses the bod you know and uh i think it's eru that is like actually you're still busy Go back and you know they give <laughs> they give him a hair dry, hair dye and and an well, <laughs> now he's all Galadriel, white. <laughs> yeah, like Galadriel gives him the outfit, but um, but yeah, he gets the white hair and and the new do. Uh, and with Super with Sar- yes, it is though. Like <laughs> so silky. <laughs> I, I know that, that is funny that like in the uh, in the movies it's like also shorter. They don't let him have as long of a. Of hair. It's longer than that? Like... Well, I don't know. It never really says how long his hair is. I just know that his beard is supposed to be able to tuck into his belt, right? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Long-ass beard. Shit. So, like, I don't... That would be really crazy if he had super short hair and, like, really long... Really long beard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm imagining, like, Gandalf the Grey is, like, the movie version. That's pretty on point for, like... Mm -hmm my imagination uh but then when he like comes back in the movie he's he's got a little bit shorter hair and shorter beard um i think it works for the what they're doing it then tolkien doesn't actually describe whether his beard is shorter or longer just that he kind of looks like 
Saruman from a distance, you know? Okay. Saruman, um, his hair is long, too. Yeah. I was yeah. also noticing how long his fingernails were in the movie. Yes. Like, <laughs> crazy. They were so like, long. I was like, Saruman, get a pedi- manicure, please. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> like, he has one of the orcs, like, filing his nails. <laughs> Maybe Wormtongue does it. I would say worm time. You think worm time would do it? Yeah. That poor guy. Oh my god. Uh, so. day with worm time. I know. Oh, poor guy. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so we've got. Um, we also have a moment where Radagast, you know, Gandalf. You know, which I, I think is adorable in the movie. He's like, I got to go help my friends. Like shit's going down and I'm not with them. You know, he wants to get back to Thorin and crew. Um, and Radagast is like, dude, if this is what you're saying, it is like everybody in trouble, not just Thorin, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But Gandalf is obviously concerned because he knows they're in Mirkwood at the time. Um, and that mm-hmm. is where Dolgador is. And that's where Sauron's chilling. And um, so I think, soon the rest of the white council will be involved i'm sure that like everybody listening to this remembers the hobbit movies better than i do i do not i just remember like glimpses like random moments you know but i can't remember the order Mm -hmm. of events that they do in the movie so we will see uh at least i will see what happens next with gandalf um but truly love all the scenes with ian mckellen in them i think he's just fabulous as Gandalf and um, mm-hmm. I, I give him a pass I j- his story can go totally off script and I will still be <laughs> so no he's, he's amazing of, I love yeah. him he's so good yeah he's one of those like really bright spots in there for me I think Martin Freeman is great they just should have given him more moments mm-hmm. um, that's that's the trouble I can't wait till we get to smog I think that's gonna be awesome um, honestly my favorite part of the hobbit is smog he's so mm-hmm. cool he's he really is really cool. cool yeah and he and he looks great and they designed him so well uh, but next time still not at smog even though that move this movie has his name in the title desolation of smog we are gonna <laughs> <laughs> he's hardly in it <laughs> i was like so i was expecting dragons damn it I know, and like, and they tease him so hard at the end of the first movie, where it like ends with him opening his eye. Um, but our next time, we are talking about a warm welcome. We're gonna see Lake Town and the master of Lake Town, who's a real dick, and um, you know, gonna rest up and and get ready to head over to Smog, but not quite, not quite. We still gotta not yet. Figure out the door to the mountain, and then, then you know, hopefully we'll see him soon. Um, but other than that, is there anything else that from this point, uh, Carrie or Callie, uh, that I missed? Any things that made you go hmm, or that you just uh, that I left out completely? Because I'm sure there are things that I did just because. From what I remember, like what I can recollect from the movie, I think you got it down piked. And I like that you were doing the comparison with the books because, again, that helps me out a lot. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, but other than that, I think that, I mean, other than Thranduil being daddy, 
I just had to throw yes. that in there. <laughs> yes. Just I, just in there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the way Lee Pace has captured the imagination of literally everyone uh, in, in all the ways, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I mean, see, I can see a scene with him all at any time. Yeah. I'm in there. <laughs> True, true. Yeah, I think that he really brings like a special oomph to Thranduil because he really doesn't get to do much in the book, you know, besides kind of like Mm -hmm. he tries to interrogate the dwarves because he's like, what the heck are you guys doing Mm -hmm. here? It makes zero sense. But, you know, (laughs) this Thranduil is a little more like aloof and cool. um, And, you know, I think uh, he's a a super fun addition to... No, he is. I like the the attitude that he brings in and just like that air of like, ugh, you know, yeah. I am beautiful. Yeah, you know? he's <laughs> the most fabulous, you know, because it's like, yes. it's also fabulous an interesting, story. like with Elrond, you know, we have him in Rivendell and we kind of know the vibe of that, you know, like everything in, in Rivendell mm-hmm. is just like a chill place. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, Set up, it's the last homely house. It's set up as a refuge for literally anyone that, you know, needs yeah. you know, that rest and rejuvenation, which I just also think is really beautiful for Elrond's story. Like his life is That's so tumultuous. That's just him. Yes. So for him to like really oh dedicate that space to everyone taking the chill pill is is really nice. And then we have Galadriel mm-hmm. who, you know, has set up Lothlorien. She's protecting it. Um with the power that she has. And it's really this kind of reminiscent of Valinor little slice, you know, that like this perfect place that is um, a little more ethereal, I would say, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a little more otherworldly and you're like, whoa, where is this? And then we have the woodland realm, which I think is probably the most like down to earth of all. And, you know, it's, it's, but at the same time, it's like, they are, you know like in the book we see them partying and we see them having a good time but they're also like in a much more dangerous part of the world i mean lothlorien is like also in the dangerous part but she is able she has that extra with you know her mm-hmm. her ring and yeah yeah like the woodland thunderwell is the only kingdom like they don't that doesn't have a ring to protect it that's oh, true wow okay so you know they are you know definitely more have their guard up which absolutely i mean they're yeah, having to deal sense, with these insane spiders like what a time you know Ooh, um yes they're yeah i mean like they're living in a place that has become like it was green with the great and now has become murkwood you know and they're trying to live their lives and you know enjoy it but also they're having to struggle with the darkness in a more real way than I think mm-hmm. any of the elven kingdoms that we visited before have had to. You know, like physically fighting spiders every day. Yeah. Um, and I know that there must be some kind of, they have their own kind of elvish magic. I mean, not only we saw it when like in the book, as a reminder, when they saw the elves kind of partying in the forest and they approached them in these clearings, they were able to like turn the lights out and, leave almost immediately and then the dwarves are just like wait what like what happened (laughs) and and also we know that the the elvish road that they use um for most of their journey through murkwood is 
protected in some sense because while there are they see the spider webs everywhere um they they do not cross over this road which i think is important to note about like you know kind of what they're able to do like they're they're not without some kind of magic and protection but it's definitely not to the extent that Rivendell and, and um, Lothlorien have for sure Cool. So it totally makes sense to have, you know, Thran Daddy being a little bit more like uh, up in arms. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> a little bit more uppity. Like, so I have a lot. I need to look good and protect my kingdom. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's very much more <laughs> tribal in the sense that, like, he doesn't really want to deal with anyone else. He just wants to protect his people and call it a day, you know? Because, I mean, truly, that is probably a big enough job you know yeah no absolutely especially like you said that he's in a part where it's like constantly at danger of you know something crazy happening so he has to be on it at all times so i i could definitely understand that yeah so i think man that was a part we almost just skipped over thrandy <laughs> over there uh, that would have been a mistake <laughs> I couldn't let that happen. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Good thing you're here. (laughs) That was important. I know that we talked about that when we were picking which episode you should pop in on. So, um, yeah, I think he's a cool character. I mean, I'm excited to see more of him, you know, when particularly when Thorin loses it. But uh, we shall see. Uh, We're going to see Lake Town next time, which will be cool. Um, I know that like, if I can remember right, like Peter kind of experiments with different types of architecture, like in Dale, he kind of tried to give it a look and feel. I don't remember quite the Lake Town vibe besides it obviously being on a lake. Um, so that'll be fun to revisit. Um, and with that, I think the last thing that I can, you know, remind you about is, uh, to not forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's Tolkien with friends on Instagram. It's Tolkien friends on Twitter. And, you know, you can also join us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. If you so choose uh, for bonus content, including some upcoming bonus episodes, early releases, and my handwritten notes from each podcast, which I have yet to hear if anyone can actually read. So if you join, you'll have to let me know how illegible my handwriting is. Uh, And we hope to see you there.